Just tell us when to start. You can start whenever you want. Oh, okay. Hey, <laughs> hey, what's up? This is uh, Recovered AF Podcast. My name is Aaron, and my, my buddy Kyle is going to say something now. Yeah, hey, uh, we are not affiliated in any way at all with any 12-step organization. As we always say, we're just a couple of dudes sharing our experience, and uh, today we have a guest that is going to enlighten us with some of his experience as well. And I'll let Aaron introduce him. Thanks. Uh, yeah, that's right. Our guest today is Ken, and we're actually recording at Ken's podcast studio. And <laughs> we realized we are really new to the podcast game when we showed up here today. What's up, man? Not much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're some I'm amateurs looking at this setup. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been a work in progress. Let me tell you. Yeah. So five years in the making yeah so it hasn't always been like this down here this that's, used to be a guest room yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay it's in pretty awesome yeah it so. probably serves more use this way though yes it does yeah yeah for sure and uh, uh what what you were saying that you do two different podcasts you want to yeah i do one called the yoga pod podcast and it's all uh it's myself and the owner of the yoga pod studio in fort collins and the manager and we we kind of just talk shit um, about <laughs> yoga, more or less. Um, yeah. We have guests on occasionally, um, but I am fairly new to the – I've only been doing yoga maybe five years or something now, so I'm really new to the game of that. Um, just did some teacher training. So it's really – and they, they're way more versed in it, um, So it's and it's fun. Um, so we do that, um, and it's kind of meant to be informational but also somewhat entertaining. And then I do another one called Forever Two Wheels, which is uh, – a podcast that is mainly it is all about motorcycles so it's the number four and then ever and then the number two and then wheels um it's on itunes stitcher everywhere you can consume those and we do kind of a weekly it's kind of changed formats over the last couple years we do a weekly news motorcycle um podcast that's live on facebook twitch twitter you know youtube kind of goes everywhere so um and that's been really fun so we just kind of talk about weekly motorcycle news and that sort of stuff that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I've got a limited experience with both of those things. I went to, <laughs> I went to, yeah, I went to one yoga class, and uh, it was right when I got sober this time. And I went to one yoga class, and I woke up the next morning and felt as though a horse had kicked me in the back, <laughs> and that was enough of yoga. That was that. That was that for me. And then I had a pretty sweet Yamaha Vino 50 cc motor scooter, huh. and uh, yeah, it was pretty badass. I put a basket on the back. It could carry my lunchbox, and then my ego got the better of me, and I bought a. Um, I bought a real motorcycle, uh-huh. and I never. And then rode, you crashed it. No, I never rode that fucker, and I had to pay for it every month. And I just <laughs> walked by and glared at it every day. I hated it. I'm not a biker, man. That's a total Marty move, dude. That's I was. I was so. I was so high that week too, man. I was doing a lot of oxycontin at the time. Mm. When you bought it, yeah, yeah. I would get high and buy things and need things. Gotcha. So. Neat. Yeah. So anyway, so you know, we we usually start. You got uh, sober when you were like ten, twelve, something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so we usually we usually you know find out we start we sort of been starting with people's uh, first introduction to the twelve steps. Was the, maybe walk us through that. So uh, December sixteenth, nineteen ninety, is my sobriety date. I you know I think back on that and I don't know what that means. I think that was the last time I took a drink. Maybe. I think that was the last day that I took a drink. It was some, I know that that's has some significance because it's tattooed on my leg, Okay. but I'm not exactly <laughs> sure if that was the last day that I took a drink or the last, or the first day I didn't drink. Um, 
I'd probably have to look at a calendar. Anyway, um, I ended up in the uh, the office of my social worker at my school, and I basically wanted to I wanted to die. Um, I had been drinking and using drugs, and you know, lying to people and just doing stuff that um, did not feel great. Um, and she suggested that I go to AA. There was a girl in my high school. Um, I went to a really small, there were 40 people in my graduating class. It was wow. like an alternative, like hippie sit on the floor high school. Yeah, my wife teaches at one of those. Um, and it was great, you know, because I felt like I could go and talk to this woman who I'd never talked to before, who was a social worker. And she, um, so she told me that this woman in my class, girl, you know, she's like 17 or 18 or whatever, uh, in my class that she was sober. And I was like, not real great with the ladies at that point so i was like oh this could work out you know that was literally i mean at the same time i wanted to get sober but or i don't know that i wanted to get sober i didn't want to live the way that i had been living right and so um she came in and talked to me and i kind of talked to her a little bit about um honestly for whatever reason about my drinking and what it looked like and um she said well just let me know when you want to go to a meeting and i was like i'll go tonight um, and then she brought me to my first meeting, which was in Chappaqua, New York, okay. which is right next to where Bill W. lived. Oh. Um, and um, so he actually had the the meeting and his the place that he lived um, is, you know, a stone's, fr- stone's throw from there. Wow. Um, but anyways, I went to this meeting. It was fucking awful. Um, I sat... <laughs> I sat in the car for a while in the parking lot. I don't know. Did you guys ever have that experience where you went to your, a meeting and you're like, fuck, I don't know if I want to do this. Like, it might change my life, you know, like in the beginning. Yeah. Like, it's either going to get better or worse. Or it's going to get worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of precisely. those. Yeah. My mother had drug, drug me to a few AA meetings. So by the time I was ready for it, I was a I was a veteran already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're like, okay, I've, I guess I'll just go in there. I've been here low. before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had no previous experience. So. Yeah. My first meeting, I, I didn't have a license, of course, because I was in some legal trouble. And uh-huh. uh, my dad brought me because that was how it went. <laughs> and he was like, Gets over. Yeah, are you going to get out? And I was like, do you want to come with me? <laughs> and he was like, uh, no, not really. But yeah. So my first meeting, he actually did go in with did me. He? Yeah, oh, that's he a was good awesome. Dad, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I think he was desperate for me to get sober just yeah. as bad as I was. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, this was a total, hey, no offense. I know there's nobody listening from that Chappaqua meeting but (laughs) not yet holy shit it was when I look back on it the biggest pile of shit (laughs) it was I mean it was so it was 1990 so like right in the middle of the treatment thing yeah Mm -hmm. so everybody you had to go around the room there were like a hundred and something people in there you had to go around the room you had to say your name whether you're an alcoholic or not um your sobriety date um and how your day was. Oh, my. Yeah. Like, full-on fucking <laughs> yeah. therapy. Like that sounds like not treatment. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, everybody, lots of addicts there. Um, they gave me a 24-hour-a-day book when I left. Okay. Not a big book. Right. Um, wow. So, like, a Hazelden book. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, is that that's what I needed, I guess, because I, I never took a drink again. Wow. So, something about that meeting changed my life. And I remember, because it got to me, and I said... My name's Ken, and I think I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> and that just didn't go over that well. You know, they moved on from there, but they ended up calling on me. Uh-huh. And this wasn't like AA of today. So this guy, I don't remember anybody's name, but I remember this guy's name. His name was Mike. 
was like, Ken, you know, what's your deal? And he had like a New York accent. He's like, what's your deal? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, and he basically started yelling at me. He was like, you know, you think you're an alcoholic. He's like, you better fucking know, or don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. Okay. Wow. I mean, he like, wow. he was like, not nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I thought, like, you can't talk to me that way. Like, and at the same time, like nobody had ever talked to me like that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and not in a like constructive way, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I yeah. definitely been, been berated at times, but for whatever reason, um, somehow that resonated with me, uh, went to a meeting again the next day. Um, a sponsor got assigned to me. Um, and, uh, was it the same meeting that you went to? No, it was a different okay. meeting. It was actually the meeting that, um, that Bill Wilson used to go to. Wow. Yeah. In some fucking church there. Yeah. Um, in Mount Kisco, I think it was. Hmm. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a weird, it was a really weird time in my life because I was 18 years old, obviously, really fucking confused. Yeah. Um, had not been, had tried to stop drinking, was not successful with that. And um, so, yeah, that was the first time that I got introduced to the steps, but I didn't do them. Okay. So that didn't work out that great. At what time did you get into the work was it years later a few oh, months yeah, no, later years yeah. later years later yeah. yeah i mean my first sponsor I, I think he really you know the thing that was great about him is that he and you know at the i think there have been various times in my sobriety where i've been like oh fuck that guy like he should have whatever and i realize now and i think you probably know this really well aaron that there are times in your life where you think that this is total bullshit and then you realize later on like oh no that's exactly what i needed y- yeah yeah yeah, I, I tend to learn the hard way right? yeah. through hard one experience. Sure, yeah. yeah, and I think that's what that's what I needed too. I needed to see like how shitty it can be going to AA and not doing the work. Yeah, um, to get to realize like the the extent of how much freedom you could really get from the steps. So my first sponsor, basically, he. Um, his name was Chris. He was a painter. Um, he made me call him and two other guys every day. One guy was a guy who was dying of AIDS. Um, and the other guy worked at a junkyard. Um, and I made, I had to call these guys and there were no cell phones. Right. Um, and Chris would work at various places. And so I'd have to call him at the job. So every day I'd have to call him or I wouldn't know what his number was going to be the next day. It was very sneaky. Right. (laughs) And he was very, like, Mr. Miyagi. Like, I had to go paint with him and shit. Uh, like, it was, you know. I yeah. mean, it was fine. It wasn't like, I didn't feel like I was getting taken advantage of because I probably would have gotten drunk if I hadn't gone over there and, you know, <laughs> yeah. painted with him. Um, but he had me, you know, my fourth step was, like, I wish I still had it because it was such a pile of shit Because <laughs> um, it was just basically me, like, writing down my, like, woe is me story. Yeah. yeah. Like you know, it was, it was literally that. There were yeah. no columns. There was no accountability. There was no just, like, oh, my poor life. You yeah. Know? Yeah. My, yeah. My, my, mine, mine, when I was 20, my four-step uh, was just basically a confessional. Oh yeah, Same that's thing. exactly what this yeah. was. Yeah. No columns, no no inventory, just yeah. a confessional, which, you know, served somewhat of a purpose. Yeah. I got to read that to somebody and yeah. you know, have them not freak out. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And I remember him distinctly telling me I think I think I was really nervous about it and he was like, You want to hear something that was on my four seven? I'm like, sure. And he's like, So and so and I used to share a prostitute. 
uh-huh. we used to go shoot up in the same place and then we go see this and i was like I'm like 18. Yeah, now. right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're like, holy All right. shit. Right on, man. Yeah. Um, and so, I and I actually moved out here. So I got sober the middle of my senior year. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Fort Collins, Colorado. Basically put everything in a bag, got on a plane, and moved out here. Um, well, I was just going to ask what, what brought that about. I mean, you're going you're, to college. You're, oh, you that came, was to, the, you yeah, came that, to go to that's, school here. That's what, uh, that's what I was told. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I applied to, um, I wasn't going to apply to college at all. Um, and then I got sober and, um, took the SATs. I think, I think I took them before I got sober and they didn't go so great. And then I took them after <laughs> and went a little bit better. Um, so I think I took, I think I was high or something. Yeah. It didn't, didn't go, didn't go great. Right. <laughs> And so in my family, it is kind of expected that you're going to go to college. That's just kind of what everybody's done. Uh, I come from like a very like New England waspy sort of family. Um, and so I was like, all right, I'll go to college. And I came out. I wanted to get as far away from everyone as possible. So that's why I came out here. Um, and it didn't go that great. No. So no. when you rolled out here, you just were still doing the fellowship thing then, right? Like. There's, I don't know, this is a college town. One thing that I was going to thinking about when you were talking about that first um, experience in New York was, so I was only 20 the first time I came, I went to treatment the first time I was 19, I was in um, 20 the first time I came into the rooms, and I would get a lot of, first what you talked about, stories um, from people that had done a lot of shit that I'd never experienced yeah. at, the, at a young age, that sort of... Um, I let fuck with my head a little bit. And then the other thing was a lot of unwanted attention in the form of saying, you know, like, boy, I wish I would have got this thing when I was your age. And boy, you just have such an advantage. And I'm 20, man. I'm not even of legal drinking age and I'm in a 12 step room and I don't think there's anything cool about it, but I kept getting that kind of thing. Did you experience all of that stuff too? Like both places? Wait, no, later on I did. Um, I got more of the, like I build more than you drink oh, okay. sort of thing. Right, like, right. why are you even... Because b- besides myself and this this friend of mine that was in I was in high school with, there was nobody even remotely near my age. Like, everybody was in their 30s, which seemed, like, ancient to yeah. me at that point. Yeah. Right. You know? Um, and there was... A, and it was a huge time for Coke, so it was, a, like, a lot of crackheads. Okay. Um, a lot of crackheads. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so... It was just a really, di- and I actually found a, a like a young people scene, um, but it was ter- it was it wasn't it was not something I wanted to do. Yeah. It was just weird. It, yeah. it just wasn't my thing. Yeah. Um, but when I moved out here, I went to the campus group, which is right next to CSU. Mm. Um, I found a bunch of people that were kind of like minded. I lived on the sober in the sober dorms. You know, pretty much every college now, if you didn't know that, has like a so at least a sober floor. Really? Oh yeah, that's awesome. Um, I mean, this is, you know, 25 years ago and they had a sober floor. Um, not everybody on the floor. I think it was half the floor was sober. (laughs) Um, cause I, yeah, I think it was half the floor. Um, (laughs) and, uh, so I met a bunch of guys, some of which I'm still actually myself and my, the, the two guys. And if you want to get into that, the two guys that I sponsor and they sponsor me, um, I've known for 25 years, basically since I moved to Colorado. Um, it hasn't always been that way. Um, but yeah. Um, and I went to the campus group and I found people that were like me in that 
they weren't doing the work. Okay. They wanted to have a lot of fun mm-hmm. and be sober. Right. Right. Um, but it didn't. Yeah, it didn't really. And I did that for a little while. Dropped out of college. Played well, a lot of cards at night. What was your? Off. <laughs> yeah. What was your tipping point into the work? Because I have a similar experience. I, I and mine was only about four months where mm-hmm. I was uh, trying to do the thing without the 12 steps and Mm -hmm. eventually was miserable enough and wanting to die again with sobriety and being like, what the hell's happening? Like I'm not drinking anymore. How is this life? You know? Yeah. So what was your tipping point into conceding to the work or, you know, know, like I think, I think it was a lot of things. Um, I had a succession of, uh, failed relationships, um, that didn't, not great. Um, and I'll just tell you, like, my last girlfriend, um, total 13th step, um, she came to the campus group. She was 17. I think I was eight. I was 18 or 19. I wasn't that much older. Right. Than her, but she <laughs> right. was still, like, in high school. You weren't 40. Right. <laughs> and, um, and we tried to kind of work things out, but at that time, I was going to the campus group, and I had actually become the GSR of that group, I believe, through, I don't even know how that ended up. And I went to an assembly um, in Netherland. And I don't know where that's at. It's, it's like Boulder. just by Boulder. Yeah. Um, okay. And Gary Kluckstall, who just passed away, was there. Don Pritz was there. Don, can't remember the other guy's name, was there. I guess I shouldn't use these guys' names. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Fucking, there's a bunch of people there that were like past delegates or delegates at that time. And they were fucking fired up about AA. Like, really fired up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard something that I just hadn't heard before. Um, and that made me, and so of course I went like right up to one of them and was like, hey, will you sponsor me? Yeah. And they're like, no, <laughs> definitely not. Like, <laughs> you live in Fort Collins. I live in Denver. There's no way that's going to work. Yeah. I'm already really busy with like eight other guys. Yep. But I went to like, you know, who I saw, whoever, and I don't even remember who it was, um, you know, who I saw as like the leader or whatever. Cause I'm like, oh, I need the best. <laughs> I need the best. Right. Uh, but he did recommend somebody to me. Okay. Um, and somebody that, that lived here? Somebody lived in Boulder. Okay. Okay. Um, and he ended up, he saved my life Uh 100%. Like I, I, and I tell him that, uh, on occasion I will text him or email him or something and let him know, like, cause he had a huge impact on my life, uh, because he took me through the book, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'd never had that happen. And it sucked. He made me, I had to be there at six o'clock in the morning in Boulder and I only had a motorcycle. Oh. Damn. And he was like, this is how it's going down. He worked for some big company, and he's like, I got to be in Denver by whatever. Like, come here at 6, and I'll read the book to you. I'm like, this is not going to last or whatever. <laughs> but, I mean, I think I, did, I think I did that for like three years. Yeah. You know? And it was like clockwork um, in terms of it working. Wow. Yeah. So you said your life was a little messy, like, prior to that. Did you start to experience some change in your outside world when you guys started going through that, or was it after that? Because, um, you know, when I look at you, I, I have a hard time imagining you ever being that irresponsible kid 
and the only yeah, yeah no i mean i don't you just don't see i just don't get that i mean that's yeah. probably a good thing that might probably means something I guess, worked i guess so yeah. yeah um so like did you start experiencing changes or did other people start to change experiencing changes or seeing changes in you like as you started going through that or was it a slower process i'm just curious like yeah, how yeah. that transformation yeah it was like it was a really interesting part of my life because i was i so and i didn't even like like the guys that the my friends that i was talking about that i sponsor and they sponsor me like they weren't going through the work and i'm like you got like i found this that you guys got to do like this is the shit you know like you got to call this guy and do the thing and <laughs> da, da, da. Yeah. and um and i finally i got to the point with the campus group where i couldn't go there anymore because yeah. it was just it was too it was just too much, yeah. you know? Um, and it wasn't bad. It was just, I needed, I needed more like warmth of the herd. Yeah. I needed to feel like that, um, like that I belonged. And I just didn't feel like I belonged there anymore. And yeah. not that I was like up here and they were down. I just didn't, it just didn't click with me. Yeah. Um, my girl, my girlfriend who I had turned into my fiance somewhat forcefully, um, <laughs> took her to Hawaii and proposed on the beach. And you know, she was like, I, I don't know what to And you know, I'm like, I fucking took you to Hawaii. What are you talking about? This is my grandmother's ring. You got it. You know? And so, yeah, she said yes, but we ended up, um, breaking up one night. Um, and um, I had I had been going through the work. I think I was probably like right at the ninth step would be my guess. Mm -hmm. um, we were living together, um, and she said, "You know, I think I want to push the I think I want to push the wedding back." And like that was all I needed to hear to be like, "Oh, you don't want to marry me?" Because I knew all along, right? As stupid as this sounds, and maybe this resonates with you or your listeners. I have no idea, but my thought was, if I ask her to marry me, she's gonna break up with me. Like that was my thought instead yeah. of just being like, hey, this doesn't seem like it's working out. I'm going to take you to Hawaii and propose to you on the beach in hopes that I don't have to take responsibility for fucking anything. Right. Right. Like yeah. totally insanity. Yeah. Right. Like complete insanity. Um, so we break up and it's OK. Like everything's OK. I'm not there's no drama around it. There's no I'm like, yeah, you know, you got to dad should probably come over and get your stuff and. It'll be all right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and at that time, I had actually owned a business as well. I owned a juice bar at that point. Um, I fancied myself an entrepreneur. <laughs> um, and that didn't work out either. And so I'm like, you know, breaking up with my girlfriend or my fiance, mm -hmm. losing my business. But I'm going through the steps and I, I'm like, it's okay. Yeah not the fucking end of the world you know yeah i don't think there's anything more powerful than you know what i mean like i remember being uh that similar feeling when i was having a bunch of consequences from my last drunk mm -hmm. kind of getting straightened out and after going through the work just being like oh yeah it's cool man like i'm gonna be all right it's no matter what right. happens it's gonna sure. be okay and i think that was the first time i had ever felt that way like yeah. about anything because you know i little problems or big problems were disasters in my life and oh, to yeah. just be like oh yeah it's gonna be all right i'm gonna be okay here and whatever happens I, i'm good with was just profound that was looking back just such a crucial point i i see people get out before that happens yeah and it's so it's sad for me to watch guys think there's no end in sight in bail mm -hmm. yeah 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 i was sort of thinking <clears throat> Like when when you're talking about breaking up with your girlfriend and everything being okay, 
prior to getting through this and doing this, I saw everything that happened in the world as a reflection of me. It's that self-centeredness, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. you know, and something being wrong or something mm-hmm. being right with me, depending on the outcome. Mm-hmm. And then to be able to one day turn around and see not that and just see yeah. things as just happening and it having absolutely nothing to do with me, mm-hmm. like um, the weight of the world no longer being on my shoulders. You know, it's just a, I don't know, it's a good thing. If you've if I've lived life the other way and I had mm-hmm. to be able to just relax and breathe and realize that everything in the world is not a reflection of me, you know, is, uh, I don't know, it was a good, it was a good feeling. Yeah, For sure. Yeah. Now, um, you, you were saying that you sponsor a couple guys and they sponsor you. How's that work in, in your life? Like, I think Aaron and I are kind of experiencing a little bit of that. Like, I still have a sponsor, and so does he, but Aaron and I do a lot of, I would say, spiritual work. Sure. Between the two of us. And quite a bit of bromancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, so I've known these guys for 25 years, and we were all sponsored by the same guy, yeah. guy named Norb. Yeah. Um, who was amazing. You know, he... he was the the last sponsor that I had after my my friend in Boulder and um and we had worked together for probably 15 years at that point would be my guess so a long time mm-hmm. and we had talked to somebody that he had kind of done that with um and we just we had expressed our are kind of like, we didn't know what to do, you know, and, and his suggestion and this guy's, you know, 45 years old, 45 years sober or whatever was like, well, why don't you try, you know, sponsoring each other, see what happens. And we kind of laid some ground rules, you know, like no ganging up on each other and like that sort of stuff. And, (laughs) and, um, and it's worked out really well. It's actually worked out better than I thought it ever would. Um, only because we know each other so well. I mean, we were roommates, like we've, like we know, way more than anybody who had stepped in at, you know, 10 years sober in our lives would know because right. we knew each other when we got sober basically and were ridiculous, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I so. would, I would think that that, that works if all of you are continuing to grow in the realm of the spirit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, for that, sure. Cause that like, I, I just would think that would be a hard thing to do if, if someone's One, growing and someone isn't, then yeah. it gets into this weird and, place. And it, you know, and it does, we all have really active lives and active families. And so there are times where we'll all be meeting and two of us will be like, what the fuck, man? I haven't got a call from you in two weeks. I haven't seen you in a meeting in three weeks. Like, right. what are you doing? Yeah. You know, like <laughs> right. what's going on? Or, 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 you know, I'll get it, you know, from them and they'll go, where have you been? What do you do? You know, and so it's a weird, um, it's a weird thing, but it works, you yeah. know, for now at least. That's awesome. So. One thing that Kyle and I have talked about on the podcast and that I've talked about, we have this this Wednesday night group that's sort of similar to that thing that we did, but yeah, not, yeah. not quite the same, but mm-hmm. um, was one thing that Kyle and I have to deal with is sometimes, you know, we're buddies and I call him up as a buddy, but sometimes I call him up or he'll call me up for a 10 step. And he talks about that friend hat coming, coming off. And then the, oh, for sure. the guy that has to be honest and give you the hard truth comes out. And I'm wondering with being friends with these guys so long, does it, do you ever struggle with that? Do you ever have to be like, all right, is this a situation where these guys are looking for a buddy or are these guys, do I need to give them that honest sponsor feedback kind of thing? Do you like, no, no, it just doesn't happen. Really? No, I, like because I think we know each other so well, okay. and we've just dealt 
with each other for so long that there's we have a real shorthand that we can use with each other mm-hmm. where and a lot of times it'll be like like or no not a lot of times but sometimes it'll be veiled in sarcasm okay. you know yeah. like it'll be like yeah how's that working for you right. seems like it's really working buddy <laughs> yeah. you know yeah you know and but but that's the kind of relationship that we have and that you know and I'm really grateful for it because they they know me better than anybody uh-huh. you know um and we get together you know once a week um and go to a meeting and talk and you know we talk you know I try to talk to each of them you know at least once or twice a week yeah. as well so so um i barely know you but it comes off like you might be the most interesting person in the world (laughs) (laughs) definitely not you have a pretty sweet job from the sounds of it you know you do multiple podcasts yeah (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. so uh what what if you're all right what exactly like because you do a lot with motorcycles and stuff sure how's that unfold test ride editor for a national motorcycle magazine i'm also the advertising director for that magazine um and then I have a PR and marketing company that does PR and marketing in the motorcycle industry. Um, so, yeah. And then I've got a couple podcasts. And is that, that what you really always busy. envisioned doing? Not even close. Yeah. I was like, how did how did you get into that? Was not, that after sobriety? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah, I was uh, I was pretty convinced that I was going to be a veterinarian, actually. Okay, is that why you came to CSU? Yep. Okay, cool. Um, and so, but then I realized I had to know a lot of science. Yeah, a <laughs> like lot. a lot of science. And I couldn't even make it through, like, you know, the first chemistry, chemistry <laughs> class and get, like, a good grade. Um, I probably could now, but at that point, I just didn't have the focus um, to be able to do it. And so I uh, ended up getting a degree in, it took me 10 years because I would go and teach snowboarding at winter park in the winter. And then I'd come back and I'd take summer school and go in the fall and then I'd go back up there. Um, And so it was just, it was a lot of uh, places being in a lot of different places. um, And I got a degree in English and then got a job at a PR agency at one point. Um, I'd worked at a motorcycle shop um, a couple different motorcycle shops and then just started doing, it was like, I think PR in the motorcycle industry might be something that's needed. So that was probably almost 15, it's probably 15 years ago. Um, and so I started doing that just kind of on a whim, um, and then quit my job at the PR agency in Denver and started doing it full time. So, so, but you were saying like when you met with that first Boulder sponsor, you only had a bike and so you had to go and ride back and forth. Oh, yeah. So were you already into bikes prior to bike? Yeah, as soon as or I... Or was it just because you couldn't afford a car? No, nah, well, <laughs> kind of combination of oh. both. So my, one of my, when I w- lived up in Winter Park, one of my, my sponsor up there, actually, I think he sold me a bike. It was such a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, he sold me a bike. I think I rode it all of like four times, but I was like, oh, this is great. And then as soon as I broke up with my fiance, I promptly went out and bought a motorcycle because uh, that's what you do. Yeah. Right? Um, <laughs> this will fix it. Yeah, I'll go spend $5,000 that I don't have and pay it off over 10 years or something. You know, it ended up being like $20,000 yeah. or something. Who knows? It's a good way to heal pain. Um, yeah, exactly. And then I ended up actually selling that so we could, so my wife and I could go on our honeymoon. So oh, it all comes full circle. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So I don't remember what the original question was. Oh, um, just if you were already <laughs> into bikes. Yeah. yeah, I got yeah. into I got into bikes when I was like 18, 19 years old. Do you? I I think Aaron was saying you. I don't know if you regularly, but you go to like Sturgis and do some bike. Do. Sh- do a lot of like bike shows and mm-hmm. shit like that. Is that 
and Daytona. What's, yeah. Go to Daytona, yep. What's that only like when, in recovery? Only people pay me to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what's interesting is that a lot of the people that I know in the motorcycle industry um, don't drink. Oh. It's fucking bizarre. That so, just, they're just naturally, or just naturally, or they're in recovery. No, a programs. bunch of them are in recovery. Oh, okay. Um, and I don't know if I've just gravitated towards them, or that's just kind of the way it worked out. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people that party, mm-hmm. um, but for me, like I'm there to work. Yeah, you right. know, and so. Um, it doesn't really, I, I used to get the kind of FOMO like, Oh, I'm going like, I'm going back to my place and it's, you know, nine thirty at night. And now I'm just, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> like, like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm good. I mean, I think I was in Daytona for all of maybe two nights. Yeah. I guess I was there for two nights, um, this year and all I did was go on the press ride and stay in my hotel room. I don't even think I went to main. I didn't even go to main street. Wow. Like not once. I yeah. just. Was, did yeah. they have shows that like like at Sturgis? They have a lot of shows, right? A lot of concerts. Yeah. But did they, they did did they have that same thing down in Daytona? No. Just curious. Mm-hmm. No, it's a different thing. Yeah, it's just different. Oh, okay. It's yeah. more you know, it's like kind of the redneck Riviera. That's what. That's what we, <laughs> <laughs> that's what we say it is. Do um, do do those two worlds like ever inter like intermingle? Like uh, I know when we had Elaine on the podcast, she had talked about hosting some meetings and stuff at shows and co- big concerts and stuff she's at have you ever done anything even close to that no No. um and i think part of it is like i'm i'm like somewhat um i don't want to say secretive but i like i value my anonymity yeah um and i value it in a way that like if somebody comes and asks me if i'm sober i will tell them but otherwise it's not i'm not going to shout it from the rooftop yeah um i feel like my actions speak louder than words. Um, and so a lot of times, um, and I'll go to a meeting every now and then when I'm at those, um, because I think it's interesting, you know, I'll go there and I'll just be like, Oh, this is interesting. Um, but a lot of times it's not, I don't feel like I'm like, I'm getting my cup filled, so to speak. I'm just there because I'm like, Oh, this will be interesting. Yeah. This will be something interesting to do. But I've also had other times. I mean, I I hitchhiked across the U S when I was like, 20 or something and went to meetings along the way and like stayed ended up staying at people's houses that were sober and shit wow. so i mean i've had like I, it's kind of gone both ways yeah um so yeah i don't know did you've done a lot of shit i mean between like you know <laughs> working up at winter park when I mean, we're not even we're not even halfway through it but you know hitchhiking across the U.S. I did sober. that with a sober buddy yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, it was cool. That's why i was saying dude the dosecki's guy doesn't have shit on the kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um you said you gotten married. I was just curious because, like, his still his, am. Yeah, still married. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, his wife's one of us. My wife belongs in our other fellowship mm-hmm. for people that are broke. You know, want to fix broken people. Uh-huh. But your wife, she's not. She's not. She's not any of those things. No, she's just she's a, not. She's just. She's a, just like a normal, just a regular person. Yep. Aside from being great, yeah. Is she pretty? <clears throat> Yeah, she's definitely pretty. Yeah. What else? <laughs> she pretty? Yeah. Yeah. I, I met her once. I agree. Um, is she like, what's her, I, I don't know, I want to say understanding, but how does that interact? Because like my wife, she's like, yeah, you definitely need that shit, right? She was, you know, she left mm-hmm. the last time. She was like, yeah, sure. you're, you're, you're fucking sick and you're dying and yeah, yeah do whatever you got to do. Um, is your wife just since you've been a, you've been already been a part of the twelve step world since you guys got to know each other? Has it just been something and never been an issue, or does it ever come up? Or 
So the thing that's interesting about uh, my wife, so she's a nurse practitioner. Um, so she has a real medical kind of background yeah. and she comes up against people that are in their cups, so uh -huh. to speak. Um, but we've also had a lot of, and I think you knew me probably when I was like pretty fundamental about AA. Yeah. Like it was like this way or it's fucking bullshit. Yeah. Right. And that, that was just the way I thought about it for a lot of years. Um, and she would like, I would come home and be like, Oh, can you fucking believe this? We're supposed to read out of the big book and somebody read out of some bullshit, but you know, and she's <laughs> like, well, maybe that's what they're supposed to. And I'm like, shut up. Like you're supposed to decide with, you don't even yeah. know what I'm talking about. Get my like, back here. You know, and, but yeah. that's, she was just raised to kind of question everything. You know, mm -hmm. that's just kind of her upbringing. And so one of the things that I realized is that I'm like, I'm very black and white, you know, and I've tried to kind of soften that over the years because I realized typically when I go to, when I take a real hard stance on something, it usually ends up coming back and biting me in the ass. Yeah. Like 13 stepping, that's fucking bullshit. I can't imagine anybody doing that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I'm a guy. Right. right? I mean, right. that you is. You with a fiance out of the deal. Inevitably. <laughs> that is inevitably you know, what, what happens. And so I think, you know, only time has been able to let me really see that for what it is. So she's been a really good, um, just kind of sounding board. You know, it's, it's tough because I've had a lot of people die in AA, mm -hmm. um, like more than I sh feel like I should have, right. uh, unfortunately. Of course. Um, and I think part of that is just getting sober young. Um, but I've had, you know, I had a, Sponsee commit suicide. I had another one run his motorcycle into a fucking wall. Like one of my best friends, um, overdosed on alcohol uh, on Thanksgiving Eve uh, a few years back, and and killed himself. Um, and uh, and then actually one of my sponsees just died not too long ago, uh, but he died sober, and that was oh. fucking amazing. Yeah, it was a like one of the coolest things to be a part of um, to watch all of that happen. Watch him go from like a guy who couldn't stop drinking and was a fucking mess to like lying in his bed in hospice and couldn't talk. I got there. I was like the there the day before he died and I'm just like talking to him and I can tell he's like awake or whatever, but he can't talk. And, um, and I'm just telling him, you know, like, it's all going to be okay, but you know what? Like whatever the fuck you say to somebody who's dying, right. you know, like yeah. I don't even yeah. know what I said. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't even know what I said. In his clearest day, he said, "I'm home," mm. and I was like, "Holy shit!" Wow. Like that whole thing just came full circle, um, and kind of blew my mind, and also gave me like a huge respect for that process of dying, and then also, you know, getting sober and seeing like the potential. And he had 15 years of of sobriety, you know, when he died. So it was pretty, pretty powerful. Same thing with Norm, you know, going yeah. there. We went, did you go there that night? Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about it when, when, when Elaine was on. Yeah. It was fucking awesome. Yeah. You know, it's like to be able to do that and have that experience is like, um, it's not like anything else. So when, uh, when did you start participating in the 12th step? Um, I know different people have different experiences. What it sounds like you, you're working with, you continue to work with people. What's mm -hmm. that look like? What did it look like when you started? Is it evolved over the years? Yeah, you know, I've had, um, when I first got sober, my sponsor made me introduce myself to anybody that had less sobriety than me in the room. 
was just like his thing. Um, and so I try to do that with people. Um, cause I think it's really important. I think that that's probably more important than the, like, call me every day, like 90 yeah. meetings in 90, like there's no fucking miracle cure. Like none of that shit is going to like make it. So you end up staying sober. Sorry, I don't mean to offend anybody, but it's fucking true. You're on the right podcast you, you to know, say shit yeah. like that. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it's just, agree. It, it's just not the reality of it, right? It's like a combination of things. And so for me, that 12th step, I think, is really important. And what's what I found is that when those people, um, when I need it, those people show up. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, my uh, I had a sponsor, our mutual friend. That's what we call him until oh, yeah. he's on the Don't podcast. say his name. He's our mutual friend. Okay. Yeah. One Your that mutual lives, friend. Uh, okay. The one that lives overseas now. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So he was he my sponsor re- for a while. He referred to as our mutual friend. <laughs> yeah. We won't pronounce his name until he comes on the podcast when Ooh. he gets back, maybe. So, but um, yeah, he uh, he had really impressed upon me the 12th step and how powerful mm-hmm. that is. And, uh, you know, doing doing similar stuff, going to talk to people with less sobriety, regardless of how much sure. it is, continuing to seek out people. And then uh, I would call him frustrated as shit because nobody's asking me to work with him, right? And sure. he'd be like, oh, yeah, dude. He'd hit me with lines like, yeah, when when the teacher's ready, the student will appear or something. Oh, you yeah. know? And that was huge for me to understand throughout yeah. early sobriety. So Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I see that. And I also see the value in, like, having those, like, dirty, gross 12 steps, you yeah. know, where you show up at some dude's house and he's naked on the kitchen floor, <laughs> yeah. you know, and he's like, come in, you know, and you're like, whoa, what do we got going on here? Yeah. You know, like, I mean, those are like super impressionable, right? Yeah. Like you get those and you're like, whoa. But the all, the other thing that's really funny is once I, once I actually started doing the steps, I had never had anybody even remotely ask me to sponsor them because I was a fucking mess, <laughs> right. right? I can only imagine the shit I was saying in meetings, right? <laughs> Because I had to share every time, I'm sure, right? right? Like, yeah. oh, you got to hear what I have to say. It's going to be <laughs> fucking great. Um, and so, but once I, like, almost immediately when I started going through the book, I got a guy um, who came up to me and asked me to sponsor him. And I did. And I actually, like, connected with him on Facebook. And he's still sober. Wow. Like, he stayed so He actually left CSU, went back to California. And he's been sober the whole time. Fucking crazy, right? And that was, like, 20-something years ago. Wow. So, which is cool, you know, and I, I really feel like that, that success rate that they talk about in the beginning of the book, you know, they talk like one out of blah, yeah. blah, blah, you know, and it ends up being like 96% or something. Yeah. That is my experience with people who do the work. Yeah. Yeah. I would a hundred percent agree with that statement that I haven't seen this thing not work if someone's willing to put in the work, the, the work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like it's sometimes it yeah. fucking sucks. Yep. I agree. It tells us that, though, right? It's um, not easy, simple, simple, oh, yeah. not easy, that the price that has to be paid. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I guess I was thinking you you traveled a lot more. I had a pre-question I was going to ask you. You but can. I've always got this idea. I've always got this idea that some someday I'm just not going to be living in one place. Uh huh. And um, that sounds great. Yeah, it me. does, right? And then, like in doing so, though, like how would that twelve step work if I was living living in several different places? And I was thinking that you traveled a lot, and that you know, sponsoring people might be difficult traveling that much. But do you travel that much? I do. Yeah, it's. So, I mean, it's. Does it's, it get in the way? Or? Yeah, I mean, so. My priority, you know, and people can say whatever the fuck they want, but my priority is my family. Right. 
Um, and so that leaks into my work at times as well. Like I need to go do this so I can provide for my family. Um, and so like, actually I just had a guy who asked me to sponsor him probably, I don't know, six, eight weeks ago. And in four weeks, I think I met with him once and I had to cancel. I left, I was out of town and he ended up finding another sponsor. I was like, I don't, I like, great. Yeah. Like, I'm so happy right. that you have somebody that you're working with. Like I am, even though I work for myself and I'm around a lot, I'm, I am at times very inaccessible. Yeah. <laughs> and so it is difficult. Like it's, you know, for, for me to work with somebody who's brand new right now, like I feel like there's probably better people out there to yeah. do that because I don't necessarily, I've got an 11 year old, a 13 year old, a business two podcasts, a magazine that I'm responsible to, and I'm a coach of a fucking baseball team that plays 60 games a year. (laughs) So you're full, like, you know, (laughs) like I've got a lot of shit going on. And at the same time, like I understand that that's an important part of the equation, you know? Um, so I don't say no to people, you know, when they ask me and I try to like check in with people and talk to people when, you know, when I can, I try to make several phone calls a week, you know? I think the big thing, like Aaron and I, our vision or whatever you would call for this was just to talk to people like you that are just fucking living life. You know what I mean? Like just the common stigma sometimes is that recovery sucks or your life is over or you don't get to participate or whatever. And to hear how full your life is, um, you know, Elaine talked a lot about that. Like she credits all of that to being sober, you know. 100%. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, because I've seen you know, and I, I just talked to a friend of mine the other day who is uh, was commenting on somebody that we knew mutually that was sober for a long time, and then he's not anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, he's sober for twenty something years, and he's drinking now, and his life is a mess. Wow. And I have no doubt. Like I just, I know myself, and there's no doubt in my mind that that road is not one that I want to go down. Yeah. You know, um, because of what I've seen, you know, over Mm -hmm. the years. Um, So it's scary. And, you know, as far as traveling goes, I mean, I've, you know, there was a guy actually up in Wyoming who was a, he like did car tests for like road and track or something. Do you know this guy? Mm -mm. I don't think so. (laughs) I met him up there. I think Jeff introduced me to him. Was he, he was in the program? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I don't know. Um, yeah, I feel like he was and this was this was a long time ago. Um, oh, I just said his name. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I was going to not say anything, so, but yeah, that's all right. <laughs> we'll just pretend that doesn't ha- didn't yeah. happen. Uh, anyways, he introduced me to him and he was like a test drive test drive editor and I was like, "Oh, that'd be a cool job." And then I like immediately was like, "My friend does a motorcycle magazine. They don't do test rides." I'm going to fucking do that. And I literally called him the next week and I've been doing it for, I don't know how many years now. Yeah. I did have a customer that, uh, that I delivered to. Well, he just always had these new cars and trucks in his driveway. And I was like, this dude's, I mean, the cop, it's a small town and the cop lives right up the road. There's no way that he's, you know, and, uh, yeah, I found out that that's what he did was, uh, online auto reviews. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Whoever. Who, yeah. yeah. He cool. said it took him a long time of reviewing shit before he started getting paid to do it. But oh, yeah. It was a, he always had a sweet new ride. 
in his driveway, so that looked pretty cool. It's, yeah, it's not real. I mean, I guess it's worth it, but yeah, yeah it's not. It's not all. It's not all it's cracked yeah. up to be. Mm-hmm. You know, at times I'm like, oh, this is pretty awesome, and then other times I'm like, oh, it's a hard way to make a living. Uh, just while well, this was, I was going to reiterate the, the like we we had this idea like you know same thing like we want to have people that are just living life to the fullest and it's been great but the thing that I didn't realize is those people's lives are really busy it's been a bitch trying to schedule people like oh yeah y- you were one of the easier ones to schedule and we we caught Elaine right after a throat surgery lucky yeah, us. I know <laughs> right? I heard we, that. we yeah. cut her down yeah. <laughs> uh, so but yeah like we had this idea of getting these people that are living these amazing lives at, at lives as a result of being recovered but yeah the bitch of the deal is that uh those people are lead pretty full lives and are on the go all the time yeah i mean and if it's not one thing it's an you know it's something else if it's not baseball season it's bow hunting season if it's not bow hunting season it's motorcycle test ride season if it's not you know so it's just yeah i mean you sent us a picture of like here's three times that'll work it was like three separate days for like two hours a piece i told aaron i was like dude ken is fucking busy yeah i just have a lot of yeah i just have a lot of stuff i that's and awesome. I also like know like my weekends are pretty like I try to make them so I'm around for my kids no matter what right um and just do you know what I can do with them so absolutely mm-hmm. I think we're about an hour in I'm not sure do you know not 40 oh that's not bad nine cool I believe yeah um I was gonna ask about some of the benefits of a, a podcast and we're not being affiliated is we can talk about outside literature. Do you do sure. a lot of outside literature reading, anything like that? Like yeah. Spiritual reading. Yeah, for sure. Um, so spirituality of imperfection mm-hmm. is one of my favorites. You guys read it? I haven't. Another friend of ours that's friend of your two friends that moved down to Denver. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. I'm talking about yes. He's al- He's always, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. every time yep. he calls me, I get a call from him every now and again. And I, he's just... the one that turned me onto it. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's legit. Yeah. It's, uh, in the, I, I read like a page from it every day. Um, I also read, um, the Tao every morning. Um, just like a page out of that. Yep. I read, um, and then I read, you know, upon awakening and as Bill sees it. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of my, but, and then as far as like spiritual books, like I feel like I've read so many Every of them <laughs> and I'm just kind of like burn out on them right now. Uh, I think I'm listening to uh, autobiography of a yogi and it's like, oh, cool. it's a little much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just, you know, I, I kind of, yeah, I don't, I don't get a lot of like uh leisure time. And so yeah. when I have that, I'd rather like watch baseball or a stand up special or something. Sure. Like I just don't have as yeah. much time to read. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just curious my, cause that was the first thing when I, after our mutual friend moved, I got a sponsor and that was, ex- that was what he told me to do was start getting into some outside literature. So mm, interesting. O- over the last year and a half or so that I've been working with him. That's, I've just been a bit on a big kick of that, which is cool, you know, cause it, yeah. I, I pick up all kinds of different stuff from sure. different realms and all of this. So I was just curious with, uh, you know, what it looked like. I noticed your picture here is pretty cool. I didn't know if you dabble in your, uh, native American stuff at all. Or... Oh, that's a mic builder. Oh, okay. Hey, yeah. His name's Indian Larry. He's dead. <laughs> oh, okay. um, but, uh, yes, I do. I don't really talk about it a whole lot because yeah. um, I just feel like there's a lot of kind of stigma around it. Um, but um, since I basically since I got sober or shortly thereafter, um, 
yeah, I just found that uh, nature and being outside um, has been a form of me finding who I really am. And so I do a lot of ceremony and it's cool. It, uh, it, it's really hard at times. Um, and, but it works for me, so I can't complain. Awesome. So I just keep doing it. Hell yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you about, cause you have two podcasts and I think you're the one who turned our mutual friend onto like Rogan's podcast and mm-hmm. he's the one who turned me onto it. And, He's the one who actually sent me the link to the episode that I'd heard about um, Ibogaine. And, <laughs> and then you went down and yeah, did Ibogaine. Yeah. yeah. And went down and, nice. And, uh, How'd that work out for you? It was rough, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a rough trip in every yeah. sense of the word. Yeah. Um, and so I was just wondering, like, what what, pod, what kind of podcast do you listen to? Like, what what gets your attention? So I listen to a lot of stupid shit. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like listening to stuff that's going to take my mind off of, especially like when I'm driving. So like your mom's house. With yeah. Tom Segura. Yeah. His, wife. his wife. Yeah. yeah. So dumb. Um, <laughs> yeah. I like Theo Vaughn's um, mm-hmm. podcast. That's pretty darn good. But I, sometimes I just can't get into it. Yeah. Um, really getting into Bobby Lee's podcast, okay. um, Tiger Belly. It's pretty funny. I haven't um, checked his out. Super yet. stupid. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's just dumb. Um, do you so. listen to Chris D'Elia's at all? No, I can't. I not can't, a fan. I can't do no. it. I, no, I really like him, but yeah. I've tried to listen to it a few times, and I just—it's just not my thing. Yeah, you know. But yeah. I like him a lot. He's great. Kyle turned me on to the King and the Sting. Yeah, I listen to that. It's yeah. fucking yeah. so ridiculous. Yeah, it's so dumb. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's That's fantastic. It's, it's so dumb. Yeah, yeah. for sure. It's awesome. Um, and I, you know, I'll listen to the Fighter and the Kid every now and then. Um and I'll listen to Rogan when he's got guests on that I'm interested in. I listen to Marin um, some. I mean, if you looked at my phone, I think I have like, I don't know, 8,000 hours of listening on Stitcher or something yeah. because yeah. like I'll get on my motorcycle too and I've got Bluetooth in my helmet. So I'll just like put back to back to back, you know, mm-hmm. episodes on and I'll just listen to, yeah, I'll just listen to whatever. That's so, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Cool, man. Do you got... Anything else, Aaron, that you want to ask? No. No? I think it went. I I liked it. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, right you can reach out to us at recoveredafpodcast at gmail.com. Ken, did you want to talk about yours again one last time? Or are you good? Yeah, people can go and look up, you know, Forever Two Wheels, number four, ever two, and then wheels. It's cool. on iTunes. And we've got all sorts of cool guests on there. I interviewed Keanu Reeves, so that was kind of fun. Wow. Alonzo Bowden, Ricky Rackman, a bunch of other people. So you can kind of scroll through there. And if you're into motorcycles, it's kind of a fun one to listen to. If you're not, it's eh. He's got a guy that's into motorcycles. Yeah. Yeah. Our big, tall, bearded friend. Yeah. (laughs) I do. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, thank you for being on this. Yeah. I know you're busy, so I really appreciate you taking time to participate. No problem. Right on. Thanks, guys. Sweet.